This is a shear on chapter 2, Parak Bays of Sefer Ezra for the OU's Nachyomi podcast. The second Parak of Sefer Ezra, um, let's not pretend otherwise, is a very boring Parak. It's kind of like reading a phone book. Uh, it's 70 psukim, which is pretty long as far as prakim go in Tanakh in general, and it's almost all names. Um, Pasuk Aleph. Ve'ele b'nei ha-medina, these are the people of the province, the province meaning Yehuda, Judea. These are the people of Judea. Ha'olim mishvi ha who went back to Eretz Yisrael, to Yehuda, from the captivity of exile, Asher Hagla Nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Bavel, exiled the Bavel to Bavel, Vayashuvu Yerushalayim, and they went back to Yerushalayim, Yehuda, and to the land of Yehuda, Ishlairo, each person to his city. So again, this is part of uh, Koresh's repatriation tactic. Um, the the term Ishlero is is uh, significant. We're going to see it later on in the parak as well. The last uh, pasuk in the parak talks says twice talks that they talks about how they went back Le'arehem, to their cities. Uh, what this means is uh, Eretz Yehuda during the time of the first Beis Hamikdash um, was primarily agrarian, right? People lived on uh, in small towns and villages and they either, you know, they had fields or they had they had flocks. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a very urban landscape. You know, Yerushalayim was the largest city and it wasn't terribly big. Um, they're coming back now. They're not going to be the minority in their. They're not going to be a majority in their own country. We're going to see it's not that many people that came back, uh, but nevertheless, they were trying their best to go back to their original way of life, right? So rather than centralizing, right, and uh, living in you know one central area, primarily Yerushalayim, um, which would allow them to have a certain strength in numbers, they scattered back to their original cities. Uh, part of this, right, and this is a, a, a theme of the book of Ezra in general, uh, there seems to have been, um, amongst those who returned to Eretz Yehuda, there seems to have been different approaches to the way to handle, um, to the way to relate to, uh, to the new situation of return to Eretz Yehuda. One, uh, one direction that people took was that they're going to go back exactly to the way of life that they always had, the way that they're going to try to recreate bias Rishon, the way that things were before Golus. Um, so that's that was one approach. The second approach was, are we going to try to accommodate differences? Are we going to engage the new reality, our new neighbors, the fact that we're small in number, the fact that we are not sovereign here? Um, are we going to take those lessons that we learned in the Gullus? Uh, 
um, and, and, and apply them to our new life in, in Eretz Yisrael. Um, the way of life that they had before the Gullus, uh there were three, there were three um, power bases at the end of Bayez Rishon. Uh, there were three sources of power. There was the king, and there were the Kohanim, and there were the Neviim. And they were th- these are three separate power bases within uh, within the within the culture within the civilization of uh, of Eretz Yehuda. Um, at this point in the story, uh, all three of those elements are still in some form still exist. Obviously, the Kohanim the Kohanim lasted are the one of are the only of those three that lasted all the way until the un- end of Bayez Sheni. The Kohanim Gedolim. Um, you still have Nevi'im at this stage, right? You have uh, Chagai and Zechariah uh, prophesying in Eretz Yehuda at that time. Um, you know who who knew Zerubbabel and who interacted with Yeshua the Kohen Gadol. Um, and in terms of the king, you have Zerubbabel, um, who we're going to be introduced to in the next pasuk. Um, so I, these three elements are part and parcel of that. Uh, of that attempt to recreate the way of life that had been lost with the, the Golos of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, this question of how to relate to a return from Golos, do we try to um, apply and implement some of the lessons, some of the things that had been developed in Golos, or do we try to erase the Golos and pretend that it never happened? Um, on one hand, you have a metaphor, there's a, 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 a famous metaphor um, that deals with you know somebody that has cataracts, right? Somebody that uh, somebody that slowly goes blind, and as the person goes blind, right, develops his cataracts, uh, his other senses begin to take over, right? His sense of hearing develops, and his sense of touch develops, and his sense of smell develops. Till finally, he ends up getting a uh, getting an operation, and his eyesight is restored, right? But even though his eyesight is restored, he still has those skills and those tools that he developed while he was sick. His 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 senses, his other senses, remain heightened. So you could say the same thing over here, that Gullus is certainly not an ideal situation. Uh, nevertheless, there are skills, there are survival tools, there are ways to, there are ways of life that, um, that were developed to adapt to a situation of Gullus, um, which have positive value even in a situation of of geula, even when you're living in your own in your own uh, territory and you have your own sovereignty, right? The opposite side of this is there's a famous uh, work by uh, by Chaz- by uh, Hazaz um, entitled the Sermon, right? Uh, he puts into the mouth of an old uh, an old kibbutznik, right? Where he starts his uh, he starts his his tirade by saying I. Uh, I I object to Jewish history. He says that if he was the Jewish history teacher, right, he would say to the kids, from the day that the Bar Kokhba rebellion failed until the day that this modern state of Israel was founded, nothing happened. Now go play soccer. Um, so you have that you know that same uh, you know that's taking an approach that we we ignore Gullus. Gullus is something that's embarrassing that we you know when we when Gullus ends we want to make pretend that it really was never there and we want to go right back to the way that things were. And the truth of the matter is that this you know it was it was a matter of different approaches in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. 
uh, and it's a it was it's a flashpoint. It became a flashpoint in Israeli society as well, uh, and continues to a certain degree to be a flashpoint in Israeli society. Um, in in general, uh, many of the dilemmas that were uh, that were generated during the during the time of uh, the Binyan Bias Sheni have repeated themselves in contemporary times with the, with the modern Shivat Zion, with the modern return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Okay, pasuk base. Asher Bau im Zerubavel. Right, these are the people that came with Zerubavel. So now we have a list of the the the, the notables in this in pasuk base. Zerubavel, Yeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Re'elaya, Mordechai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvai, Rechum, Ba'ana, Mispar, An- Mispar, Anshei, Am Yisrael. Okay. Who came, the, these are the people that came with Zerubavel, Yeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Re'elaya, Mordechai, Bilshan, Mispar big and bana the number of men, right, and then it introduces the next section, the number of men from the people of Israel. These are the people that this is the numbers of the people of of Israel. Okay, so these people, Zerubavel. Let's start with Zerubavel. Zerubavel was the leader. He was the pecha, the pasha, the the governor of um, of Judea. Uh, he was descended from Yehonya Melech Yehuda, who he mentioned last time, the, the second to last king of Yehuda, who was the first, who, who went to Bavel in the first exile, about 11 years before Chorban Bayez Rishon. Uh, he was either the grandson or the great-grandson, Zerubavel was either the grandson or the great-grandson of, of Yechania, which means that he was one of the first in line, if not the first in line, to be um, to be king, to be uh, Melech Yehuda, should the monarchy be reinstated. Uh, Yeshua was the Kohen Gadol, right? The famous Nevuah of Zechariah that we read on Shabbos Chanukah and on Shabbos Bahaloscha about, um, you know, the, 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 the two olive trees feeding the, feeding the menorah, right? That, that prophecy is about, uh, is about Yeshua Kohen Gadol. Okay? Um, Nehemiah, it could be our Nehemiah, right? The, 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 the Nehemiah that we all know and love, who, you know, after whom the second half of Sefer Ezra is named. Uh, it could be another uh, Nehemiah. It seems that it was an appropriately common name uh, in those generations. Uh, Sariah. So again, Sariah, there are several Sariahs that are mentioned in Tanakh. Right? It could be that this Sariah is Ezra's father. Ezra's father was named Sariah. So it's possible that this is Ezra's father and it's possible that he's not. There is There are two different trends uh, in terms of interpreting, interpreting these things, you know, the closed canon approach and the open canon approach. What uh, Rabbi Carmi from Yeshiva University, um, the, the closed canon approach is what Rabbi Carmi in Yeshiva University calls the law of uh, conservation of biblical personalities, that if it's talking about Sariah here and it's talking about Sariah there, it must be the same Sariah. If it's talking about Nehemiah here and it's talking about Nehemiah there, it must be the same Nehemiah. Right? That there's a, uh, that there's a certain, uh, f- you know, if there's a name that's familiar, then it's probably talking about the same guy uh, so you know, wh- depending on your approach, that's you know that's what you're going to uh, uh, you know either he was as his father or he wasn't. Um, Mordechai Bilshan, first of all, is that one name or two? Is it Mordechai comma Bilshan or is it Mordechai Bilshan? Right, Chazal take the approach that it's Mordechai Bilshan, Mordechai the linguist, uh, and they identify him with uh, Mordechai of 
the book of Esther. Um, and he was called the linguist because as a member of Sanhedrin, he uh, knew how to speak 70 languages. Um, the drawback of identifying this Mordechai with uh, with this Mordechai, with that Mordechai, is that uh, it doesn't really fit uh, the chronology. As I as I mentioned in the last year, um, it's quite probable that Mordechai was born, uh, that Mordechai lived and was active much much later than the events of this uh, of, of of these narratives. Um, when did these people go up? When did this Aliyah take place? It seems that either there was. Either Zerubbabel was the first major wave of Aliyah after Koresh's edict, or the second. If it was the second, then the first would have been led by Shesh Batsar, who was mentioned in the previous parak. Um, if he's the first, then you, we would identify Zerubbabel with Shesh Batsar. Um, the next section, right, which uh, goes from Parak Gimel until uh, Parak Lamed Vav, talks about the towns that... Uh, the, the people from which you know the, those that returned to Eretz Yehuda, what towns they came from, came from and or returned to. B'nei Parosh alpaim me'ashivim u'shnaim. The the people of Parosh it was two thousand one hundred seventy-two. B'nei Shvatia, those of Shvatia shlosh me'ashivim u'shnaim. It was three hundred and seventy-two. B'nei Arach chamisha v'shivim. Right from Arach there were seven hundred and seventy-five people. B'nei Fachas, Fachas Moav, the people of the, of Pachas Moav, which means the province of Moav. Um, Livnei Yeshua, to the, the, there were the children of Yeshua and Yoav. Alpayim Shmonemeos Ushnemasar, 2,812. B'nei Elam, those of Elam, Elaf, Moasayim, Vachamishim Varbaa, 1,254. B'nei Zatu, Shameos Varbaim Machamisha, nine hundred forty five. Bene Zakoi, those of Zakoi, Shivameos Vishishim, seven hundred and sixty. Bene Vani, Sheshmeos Arbaim Ushinaim, six hundred forty two. Bene Bave, Sheshmeos Esrim Ushlosha, six hundred and twenty three. Bene Azgod, Elef Masayim Esrim Ushinaim, one thousand two hundred and twenty two. Bene Adoni, come, Sheshmeos Shishim. Vishisha, six hundred and sixty-six, a lucky number. Bnei Bigvai, Alpaim, Vachamishim, Vachamish, Vishisha, right, two thousand and fifty-six. Bnei Adin, Arbameos, Chamishim, Arbaa, four hundred and fifty-four. Bnei Oter, Lichizkia, Tishim, Ushmona, ninety-eight. B'nei Veitzai, Shlosh Meos Esrimu Shlosha, 323. B'nei Yorah, Meos Shnei Masar, 112. B'nei Chusham, Masayim Esrimu Shlosha, 223. B'nei Gibar, Tishim V'chamisha, 95. B'nei Beis Lachem, Mea Esrimu Shlosha, 123. Anshei Nitofa, Chamishim V'shisha, 56. Anshei Anasos, Yirmiyahu's hometown, Mea Esrim Ushmona, 128 people from Anasos. Bnei Azmaves, Arbaim Ushnaim, 42. Bnei Kiryas Arim, which is identified with Kiryas Yearim, Kfira Uveeros, Sheva Meoz Arbaim Ushlosha, 7 from those 3 cities, Kiryas Arim, Kfira, and Veeros, 743. Bnei Harama Vagava, 
those two cities of Harama and Gava in Eretz Binyamin, Sheish Meos Esrim Be'echad, 621. Anshei Michmas Me'a Esrim Ushnaim, 122. Anshei Veis El Ve'ha'ai, right, the, the, those two towns also were right next to each other. Masaya Esrim Ushlosha, 223. Bnei Nevo, 52 from Nevo. Bnei Magbish Me'av Chamishim, Me'av Chamishim Vishisha, 156. Bnei Elam Acher, the people from the other Elam, because remember we had an Elam earlier in the Perak. Elav Mo'asayim Chamishim Ba'arba'a, 1,254. B'nei Chorim, Shlosh Me'os Ve'esrim, 320. B'nei Lod, Chadid Ve'ono, people from those three cities of Lod, Chadid, and Ono, and these are the westernmost cities that are going to be mentioned here. Shvam Me'os Esrim Chamisha, 700 and 25. B'nei Yerecho, Shlosh Me'oz Arba'im V'chamisha. 345. B'nei Sina'a, Shlosh Me'oz People of Sina'a were 3,630. Okay. Um, you take a look at these, at this, uh, at this list, right, the what we can do is we can plot the different city, these different cities on a map, and we can get a general idea of the areas that the Jews that came back at this point were resettling. And what comes out is that a lot of these towns were in Eretz Binyamin. Most of them were in and around Yerushalayim. Uh, and um, what you have is um, a, a triangle. The southernmost city is... Uh, maybe a, maybe more of a uh, of, of a kite shape. Um, the easternmost city that you have here is Yericho in the uh, you know, east of Yerushalayim. The westernmost city you have is Ono, which is not far from you know what's today Tel Aviv or Ramat, the Ramat Gan area, um, a, a little bit inland but toward the coast. The northernmost city that you have is Beis El. The southernmost city that you have is Beis Lechem. Right, so it forms more or less a uh, a triangle, maybe with a rounded base a little bit. Um, you know, by by those by those four. You know, because Yericho is not that far east of the. If you draw a line between Beis Lechem and Beis El, Yericho is not that far east of that line. So that's if you draw a triangle between Beis El. Uh, Beis Lechem and Ono, that will pretty much cover the territory that the Jews were were resettling, which is a it's 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 a decent sized area, but um, that, that covers pretty much the the areas of of Yehuda and Binyamin. Um, although there were areas of Yehuda that were not included in that, meaning the entire area further south of Beis Lechem, the whole Hebron area was not resettled at this point. Psukim Lamed Vav through Lamed Tes list the families of Kohanim. That came back, HaKohanim. B'nei Yedaya, Leves Yeshua, Tshameos, Shivimushlosha. So from that family, in that house of that family, you had 973. B'nei Imer, Elav Hamishim Ushnayim, 1,052. Right, so now for the next three psukim, uh, talk about the Leviim. Halavim, bnei Yeshua v'kadmi el, livnei hodavia shivim v'arba'ah. Right, those uh, those four families totaled seventy-four. 
Then Hamashoririm, those who, uh, you know, the, the, the Levim had several functions in the Beis HaMikdash. One is as singers. So the Mishoririm, you had B'nai Asaf, the people, the children of Asaf, right? And as we know, several Mizmorei Tehilim are attributed to, uh, to Asaf or to the B'nai Korach in general. Um, Me'ah Esrim Vushmona. It's 128. B'nei Hasho'arim, right? Those who, these are the people that guarded the gates. They were the guards of the, uh, um, the gatekeepers of the Beis HaMikdash. B'nei Shalom, B'nei Ater, B'nei Talmon, B'nei Akuv, B'nei Chatita, B'nei Shovai, Hakol, Me'a, Ushloshim Vitisha. 139. So, in other words, not very many Leviim at all. The next group is the Nesinim. The Nesinim were the descendants of the people of Givon, who in Sefer Yehoshua tricked Yehoshua into sparing them, and they ended up uh, performing menial labor um, in uh, in Eretz Israel. So the next uh, the next eleven psukim uh, counts the Nesinim. Uh, they actually were um, they were Jewish. But they uh, they had a status. They had an inferior pedigree. Uh, they had the same status as mamzerim, more or less. So they couldn't marry a regular Jew. Hanasinim bnei tzicha, bnei chasufa, bnei tabaos, bnei keros, bnei siaha, bnei fadon, bnei levana, bnei chagava, bnei akuv, bnei chagav, bnei samlai, bnei chanan, bnei gidel, bnei gachar, bnei raaya. B'nei Ritzin, B'nei Nekoda, B'nei Gazam, B'nei Uza, B'nei Faseach, B'nei Vesai, B'nei Asna, B'nei Meunim, B'nei Nefusim, B'nei Vakbuk, B'nei Chakufa, B'nei Charchur, B'nei Vatslus, B'nei Mechida, B'nei Charsha, B'nei Varkos, B'nei Sisra, B'nei Samach, B'nei Netziach, B'nei Chatifa. So that's the list of the, the families of Nesinim. Some of those uh, some of those uh, names sound a little funny. Uh, it's probably because they're not Jewish names per se. Uh, the, you know these Nesinim were not uh, were not originally Jewish, um, so their names may have come from other places. So Avde Shlomo, the the sol- the servants of Shlomo, or the descendants of the servants of Shlomo. Um, this was a, a native population hired by uh, Shlomo Amalach to work in the in the in the temple in the base of Mikdash. Bnei Avdei Shlomo, Bnei Sotai, Bnei Hasoferes, Bnei Feruda, Bnei Yaala, Bnei Darkon, Bnei Gidel, Bnei Shefatia, Bnei Chatil, Bnei Pocheres, Hatzvayim, Bnei Ami, Pocheres Hatzvayim, Bnei Ami. So all of the Nesinim and all of the descendants of the um, of Shlomo's servants together, 392. These are the people, the next five psukim uh, list the people that whose, whose pedigree was undetermined. Right? So far we had, we have uh, Kohanim, Levim, and Yisraelim mentioned, uh, and we also have Nesinim and Avadim, uh, and now we have those whose pedigree was unknown or undetermined. Ve'ela olimi tel melach tel charsha keruv, charsha keruv, 
Adon Imer, there were some that went up from these places, and they couldn't tell their their father's family, the name of their, their patriarchal families, Vizar you know, and and their children. In Israel, it was unknown whether or not they were they were Jewish. Bene Delaya, Bene Tuvia, Bene Nekoda, Right, so there were these three families um, that were uh, that totaled 652 people. And amongst the Kohanim who couldn't uh, substantiate their pedigree, there was the, the descendants of Barzilai who married the da- who married into the married the daughters of Barzilai Agiladi Isha. Like al Shmam, and he was called, and he was called by their name, meaning he took on the name Barzilai. Ela Bikshuk Savam, these people they requested some kind of letter Hamisyachsim that would give them pedigree, that would uh, substantiate their pedigree, their yichus. Velonim Tzau, but they weren't found. Like Goalu Minakehuna, and they were, um, they were, they were, they were uh, sent out of uh, of of being Kohanim. They no longer served as Kohanim. Okay. By the way, this is you know, the the last parak of Kedushin, um, parak Hayuchsin. Right? These are you know the the Mishnah lists ten different pedigrees uh, amongst the people that came with Ezra. Right. Right. So there was a lot of um, there was a lot of concern for for pedigree here. Uh, the question is why? Why is there such a concern for pedigree in um, in Sefer Ezra? And we'll see that it will it will become it will become a uh, a major theme as the book uh, you know as we go through the book. Um, so one possibility is that it was a function of their uh, you know, one possibility is that it's simply something that they were. That was important to them, right? that they'd been living in Bavel, where it was very important to keep uh, uh, solidarity within the community. So they uh, they maintained some kind of caste system, and they maintained their pedigrees, and they recorded everything during their uh, during their um, stay in Bavel. Um, that they were very, you know, you, you see it uh, today a little bit. That um, you know, a minority culture has to be worried about its lineage. Right, a majority culture, not as much. When you're a minority, you have to make sure that you keep, you know, some kind of pure race. When you're a majority, uh, it's less important because even if there's some dilution that goes on over time, that will work in your favor. Because if you're 90% of the population and there are 10% minorities and everybody starts mingling in, that means that down the road it'll be 100% majority. Uh, if you're a minority and you begin to intermarry, then you'll uh, then then you'll end up being uh, eradicated. You'll 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 uh, you'll be completely uh, assimilated into the into the population. The other possibility is that they needed some kind of yichus in order to take advantage of uh, of Koresh's uh, license. Right? Koresh says these people can go back and rebuild the base of Mikdash and resettle the land of Yehuda. Who were these people? Well, you have to be able to show. You know, I, you know, yes, my grandfather was Jewish, similar to, you know, a, a law of return type reality where you had to demonstrate your Judaism. You had to somehow show that you, uh, that you deserve to be included in that law in order to take advantage of it. 
um, another parallel between which would be another parallel between the contemporary state of Israel and uh, the Shivat Zion in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Pasuk Samach Gimel. Right? Uh, these Psukim, that is the last Pasuk that talks about the Yichuz, the Tirshasa, meaning the, the, the governor, um, said to them, right? It, it presumably here talks about, is talking about Zerubavel. Right, you cannot eat the from the from the sanctified foods, right? The foods that belong to the Kohanim until there's a Kohen Gadol who can consult the Urim and Tumim. Okay, so now the uh, the Psukim sum everything up in the next four Psukim. Pasuk Samach Dalat Kolakohol Kehad all together are Baribo forty thousand Alpayim Ushloshmeos Shishim. 42,360. Now, the problem is that if you add up all the numbers uh, in the 50-odd psukim, the 60-odd psukim that we just read, it doesn't come close to that. It uh, it ends up being something like 29,000. So what about the other 12,000 plus? Where did they come from? So there are two possibilities. One is that there were assorted others from other tribes that came back. People that came, you know, this lists the people from Yehuda and Binyamin, right, because they were explicitly included in Koresh's decree. But tagging along with them, you had people from the other Shvatim who came back as well, and those were the other 12,000. The other possibility, and I alluded to this earlier, is that there had been an earlier wave of Aliyah along with Sheish Batsar, and that these 12,000 were the people, so it, it it turns out that about 12,000 people came with Sheish Batsar, and then about 30,000 people came along with Zerubavel. And that's how you get to the number that's listed here uh, for, of 42,000. Still not a very large population, but that was the, the, found, the, the, the community that founded the second base Amikdash. So Milvad, and this does not include, this 42,000 does not include Avdehem, their slaves, the Amoseam and their female slaves, Ela Shivas Alofim Shloshmeosushloshim, there were seven thousand three hundred and thirty seven of those. The Lahem Mishorum Vishorose Mosayim. Right, and they had another two hundred singing men and singing women. And now it lists also their horses, who say Hem Shivame Osushloshim Vishisha. It's seven hundred and thirty six horses, Pirdehem, Mosaim Arbaim Vachamisha and they had 245 mules. They had 435 camels. And they had 6,720 donkeys. Right? That was seems to have been the um, fashionable mode of transportation in that time. Meroshea Avos these patriarchs, these heads of fam- families, when they came to the house of Hashem in Yerushalayim, they undertook, right? they, uh, they, um, they committed, right? they donated to Beisa Elohim, to God's house, to rebuild it. Right, so they, they, they undertook the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. Kikocham nasnul otzar 
Right? They gave their power, their ability, their manpower to the to the treasury. Lo to the treasury that uh, you know that that was in charge of hiring the work. Zahav darkimonim sheish riboos sixty thousand velf sixty one thousand gold drachmas. Right, that was the um, a currency that 